0: Hello again and welcome to the Anita Po Show, a Bitcoin-only podcast presented by Sovereign. My guest today is Hong Fang. Hong is the CEO of OKCoin, a global cryptocurrency platform serving over 190 countries. Hong left Wall Street for cryptocurrency after realizing that digital assets offer the financial inclusion that traditional finance only claims to. As always, you can watch this interview on YouTube and listen to it in your favorite podcast player, or you grasp the opportunity to be among the early adopters and listen to it in a lightning-enabled podcast app like Breeze, The Fountain App or Sphinx Chat. And now a short message from my sponsors and then on to the show. Enjoy! Living on crypto is easier than you think with BitRefill. Choose from over 4000 gift cards and mobile top-up options from around the world. I used Bitrefill to top up my phone when I was visiting Zimbabwe. It was easy, worked like a charm and I even earned SATS back. Pay with Bitcoin, Lightning, Ethereum, Dash, Tether Overtron and many more options. No account is necessary. Join the thousands of users around the world who are living on crypto today using Bitrefill. Join now at bitrefill.com and start earning sets back with each purchase. That's bitrefill.com. Learn Bitcoin will teach you the why and
1: how to use Bitcoin. Anita's book is a concise and approachable introduction to Bitcoin. Lynn Alden, investment strategist. Order your copy now at learnbitcoin.link. That's learnbitcoin.link.
0: Every day, millions of foreign workers send a portion of their hard-earned money back to their families and friends living in their home country. These remittance payments can be an economic lifeline for some countries. Although traditional means of remittance like money transfer operators have dominated the space, crypto remittances are more popular than ever. In 2020 alone, roughly 562 million US dollars worth of crypto was transferred from overseas into wallets based in Africa, all in retail-sized payments. Everyone deserves a more efficient means of remittance, one with no financial middleman taking fees. Try remitting with crypto today on Paxful, avoid the high fees of traditional remittance and make money by sending money back home. Start now at anita.link slash Paxful Remit. That's one word. anita.link slash and then Paxful Remit. Did you know that leaving your keys on centralized exchanges is extremely risky? Not only are you giving up your privacy, but you also give up total control of your funds. The best time to take back control is now. Go to Sovereign.app and never again ask for permission to use your money. That's S O V R Y N. App. Hello Hong Fang, welcome to the Anita Pos show.
1: Thank you for having me, Anita.
0: I'm very honored and glad to have you on. Um, you're the CEO of OKCoin. Okay um,
1: but if our
0: listeners don't know you, can you please introduce yourself?
1: sure uh, I um, spend most of my well let me back up I grew up in China uh, and then I spent uh, pretty much all my professional life in uh, finance uh, wall Street went to um, uh, Goldman Sachs uh, in 2008 the uh, the um, the great uh, age to be in uh, to see all the uh, turbulence uh, in the financial sector. And I was actually with uh, the financial institutions group. So uh, I started in LA and then uh, ended up in uh, New York, the headquarter of Goldman, always with financial institutions. So I got to see well, everything that's happening, <laughs> crazy stuff happening in that sector uh, starting from 2008. And then I uh, spent eight years there and then I uh, left um went on to do growth equity investment, spent a lot of time in uh, China and some time in the U.S. And as part of my growth investment uh, career, I I I actually ended up investing in OKCoin. I led a Series B investment in OKCoin. Back then, it was the largest uh, crypto platform in China, basically facilitating RMB to crypto trading. Obviously, back then, most of the trading are actually Bitcoin. Litecoin, um, uh, so that was in two thousand end of sixteen. Uh, so I, I spent some of my uh, some years on the board, uh, and uh, took me a while to make the decision. But in two thousand nineteen, I finally made the decision, switched uh, from an investor to a operator, joined OKCoin uh, as the uh, CEO, um, and here I am. I've been here for more than two years now. We are based now in uh, San Francisco um, with a team uh, mostly in US, but also have a pretty significant footprint in uh, Europe, in Latin Asia, around the globe. Uh, yeah, so it's been fun.
0: Yeah, great. Let's talk about your uh, global um, um, presence later a little bit. I. I'm interested in how did you find Bitcoin? I mean, I guess in at your work uh, for Goldman Sachs and on Wall Street, you will have heard of it. But when and how and how did you realize that
1: this is uh, the area where you want to work in or invest? Yeah, I, I think compared to a lot of the OGs, I'm probably the dumb one. I heard about uh, Bitcoin in 2019, uh, I was uh, obviously in banking. I was a banker. Nine.
0: 2009, after, I think, because it said 2013. 2013,
1: 2013. Yeah. 2013. <laughs> 2013. Um, yeah, I heard about Bitcoin from a banker. at uh, uh, She's really smart. Uh, she was in structured finance. And during a meeting, uh, she brought this up uh, during the break and said, do you guys know about Bitcoin? It's very interesting. Uh, invention, it was you know quite cheap, but the price has been going up pretty well. Uh, it, it it just didn't, I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't get it. Um, so I just let it slide by. What a mistake! Um, and then in thirteen, when I got to know OKCoin when looking for investment opportunities, and that was really the first time for me to really dive into it, look at what Bitcoin is, and uh, really went down the rabbit hole uh and that was that was also uh, my first um enlightenment moment if you will uh to realize that actually this is something completely new it's something that uh uh showed me what is possibly actually free uh versus you know financial market that i thought was free was not free right the money was actually not free. When the foundation is not free, how can you have a free markets? Uh, I I was kind of getting to that conclusion when I was at uh, Goldman, because uh, I you know we see particularly around two thousand eight. As you can imagine, everything was tumbling down, and you see uh, great um, wealth destruction in all kinds of sectors, except for financial institutions. <laughs> uh, it was uh, it was quite. Um, Ironic, uh, but you know, my, my class at Goldman, pretty much all of my uh, classmates in other uh, groups, uh, you know, they, they were moved around and, and, uh, and they were all, some of them were kind of idling, sitting there not knowing what to do and getting concerned about their future. But uh, financial institutions group back then was super, super busy <laughs> because all the banks are trying to uh, raise money and then there are all kinds of financial engineering going on. We had a blind pool trying to save all those banks. Um, it was uh, it was perplexing, right? You see all the wealth destruction, but then the financial sector is too big to to, to fail. And uh, the, you end up uh, seeing the, the government using uh, taxpayer money to save those financial institutions. And we were working on deals where uh, there could be organic ways of making it work, but then the government stepped in and actually break those deals and take it away. But then all those PE investors, uh, they struck deal with the government and government take a loss share. They have loss sharing agreements. The government take all the lost, And then um, the the, the PE get, you know, actually, that was the best return any PE investor can imagine. If they put money into financial industry 2008, between 2008 and, and 2010. That was the best return uh vintage if you will uh yeah so that was you know uh i didn't realize that uh, when i was there i just know that something was wrong but then when i actually uh go through what bitcoin was is i realized that actually you know what this is a, this is a new paradigm it's a
0: new possibility and i mean what i understand so basically the time where the world was in the biggest financial crisis um, the reason for it, where was the financial system and the banks and what they were doing, and then they were profiting the most from that. So that yeah, that, yeah. yeah.
1: there's no there's no other way around it other than having having to make those hard decisions and let it crumble, right? But but most politicians won't make those hard decisions, and and plus the whole system is uh, built on top of um, manipulated money. Uh, and uh, even if you reset, it will still go in the direction where you got to a point where we were in 2008, unless you change the the way the system is set up. Okay, what do
0: you mean with manipulated money in that way? The system, how fiat works, or any, is there
1: anything else? I mean, the 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 money, uh, the the way we understand money right now uh, is very new, right? Uh, the the most of our human history money is actually hard money it's not it's not manufactured by people or uh government right it's either what is already in nature uh starting with even things like shells and then moving on to metals uh more precious metals from less precious metals to more precious metals but bottom line is there's, even when, when there is gold, there is no central uh, um, entity who can actually control uh, or change the supply of gold. Right, manufacture, mining of gold—it's just out there. Um, uh, but, but once the world move off the gold standard, uh, governments start to print money. There's no uh, no ceiling over monetary supply. It's all centrally planned. Right and and all the macroeconomics uh, classes that we've got all say that inflation is good, uh, is necessary unless unless if you don't have certain level of inflation, the economy will be in big trouble. <laughs> but the thing is, when you do have that, uh, and and zoom out uh, uh, fifty years, zoom out a hundred years, it's very clear that there's big Wealth transformation, uh, a tran- wealth transfer, wealth reallocation through that money supply um, uh, manipulation. Um, particularly, that particularly affects people in the ninety uh, percent uh, uh, category. you don't have enough. Uh, uh, you're basically earning earning your wage through labor, uh, and then uh, you don't really have enough venue to put money into quote-unquote, investment that get you a yield big enough to, to beat the inflation. And there's that um, compound effect that basically amplify the gap. And there's there's not much mobility uh, once you get on that path. Plus, when you look at the market, uh, free markets that we are looking at, we all talk about free markets. I actually went to Chicago Business School, right? And the reason I went to Chicago Business School, part of that is I believe in free markets. I want to learn about things like that. But the biggest and the most important thing in free markets is to have uh, price uh, signals that works. But in today's market, when we look at price, the price is denominated in fiat money. (laughs) That introduced a lot of noises into the system, right? And and, and I think there's always a lot of debate around why, when there's so much money printing, uh, we don't see inflation going up. And, and people are like, okay, it's okay. You can print money. But what people don't really see is that, number one, there is this globalization going on. There is this technology uh, innovation going on that keep the, uh, the price low uh, for uh, groceries. And number two, um, a lot of those uh, money printing, people are rational. People want to uh, maximize their Uh, profit, maximize their wealth, right? So when you cannot get enough return in reality, and there's a lot of uh, uh, financial engineering in uh, the capital markets, and yields are only available in financial uh, markets, you see all the newly printed money going into financial markets, starting with real estate and stock. Um, And it's just, that's why you in the most recent cases, after COVID is that on the one hand, people are feeling that the world is tumbling down uh, for average people, for small businesses. But on the other hand, when you look at Wall Street Journal, uh, (laughs) it seems to be perfectly fine. Stock is all-time high. Real estate is all-time high. Uh, There's just bifurcation of reality. Uh, And that's all because the price signal is manipulated. Uh, There are a lot of noises there.
0: Hmm. Speaking of the price signal, uh, what I would be interested in is where well, I can't get my head around is. So let's say we have a global market and we have a global money, say Bitcoin. So everybody is using Bitcoin. Then the prices will be, um, um, how is it called? Not, not written on. So you will denominate prices for goods in Bitcoin. So but how can then uh there are differences in prices for goods like in Austria, maybe a leaf of bread costs more than in a country in Africa. Or uh, I have to say I um, take an online good or product as an example. So will will this level out the wealth uh, differences or what will happen here?
1: I think you're asking two different questions. Maybe. Uh, You're asking about prices for the same uh, item around the globe. And then you're asking about wealth, uh, um, more equality uh, or equity in in wealth. Yes. Uh, I think these two are slightly two different things. Um, In terms of prices, I think it's almost coming down to supply and demand, right? And it really depends on what kind of, um, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, um, thing Product. that we're looking mm-hmm. at, uh, <laughs> that we're attaching a price to. If that uh, merchandise, if you will, let me call it merchandise. If that merchandise is in nature uh, uh, digital and it's very easy to, it's digital in, uh, uh, natively digital, right? Uh, You know, for example, music, Um, for example, a lot of the content that, you know, for example, you are creating here Uh, that uh, the that type of merchandise, the supply is digital. So it's very easily globally distributed. The demand of it is also digital. So it's also very easily uh, globally distributed Um, for that type of merchandise. I can see that the price of it should very much be um, uh, similar around the globe, uh, unless, and that's, that's what I meant. That's, that's what I meant with, uh, leveling it out. Mm, unless there is, yeah, unless there is difference in accessing certain type of things, right? So i.e., for example, if the merchandise is not, uh, um, natively digital, uh, then there are other costs coming into the play here, right? For example, cows, <laughs> And supply of cow and demand of cow would be very different, and there is transportation costs and there are other pieces related to it. I can hardly imagine that price of cow would be the same across the globe. For example, in in uh, North Pole versus uh, Australia, um, it would be very different. So, so but but at least uh, at least you take out the noises of FX fluctuation. Right now, it's like apart from that simple supply and demand calculation, you have to also apply for supply and demand of the money, <laughs> and and are uh, and and almost like arbitrage and, and the whole FX trading is a is a big business in itself, right? And can you imagine all the whole industry uh, being uh, uh, supported and 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 well supported by uh, by central government policies around the globe? Um, yeah, I, I think that would be my take. In, in terms of uh, larger wealth equity, I think it's not, I don't think it will uh, make it really like uh, everyone equally wealthy. Uh, but at least I think it will give a little bit more level playing field uh, for people who want access to access certain things. Um, they can also at least earn uh, um, money and preserve their wealth through hardworking. instead of having to worry about money not being valuable down the road, they have to spend it, things like that. If they can save, they can save and it can actually become pretty uh, 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 significant over time. Right. And, and think about, for example, my, my uh, parents, I, again, I was born in China. I grew up in China where well, I remember uh, when I was born, uh, that was actually the age uh, of, uh, uh, open-door policy in China when China was the first year when China started to embrace market economy. Uh, but I, I still remember when I was young, the, the economy uh, there was still pretty small. And my parents, uh, like if I'm thinking about people around us who have more than, uh, call it 100,000 RMB uh, back then in, in wealth, are almost considered more than billionaires today, US billionaire today. <laughs> so just imagine, you know, putting aside US-China difference, just imagine that the devaluation of uh, fiat currency over the last 20, day, uh, 20 years, it's, uh, it's mind-blocking, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so speaking of China, I guess you also have a lot of uh, experience and knowledge about Bitcoin in China. Um, what's your opinion on the latest ban of uh, China uh, banning Bitcoin mining? And I've read some um, uh, news headlines that uh, China is reevaluating it. I don't know if this is true. So, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I saw that too. Um, I don't think China's uh, stance on Bitcoin or crypto have changed so much since 2017. Um, yeah, we moved out of China in seventeen uh, upon that policy change. Uh, basically the government is not banning the asset itself uh, so you can own um, uh, but you cannot run a platform that help people trade from RMB to Bitcoin or from Bitcoin to RMB. Uh, So that has been uh, always the stance, and I think it still is today. What happened earlier this year was that the government took a a stricter stance, or more stern stance, on mining, on Bitcoin mining. There are different theories about why that was the case. Um, To me personally, I think it was pretty sad, uh, because I, I do think that Bitcoin is the future, and it's just sad to see a country giving up so much uh, on something that that there was actually uh, um, years of uh, years of efforts into it. Uh, however, I think it's also um, so Chi- uh, Chinese have a word called uh, crisis, uh, but the Chinese word for crisis actually have two characters. Uh, the, the first uh, character in that word means crisis. The second word in the character means opportunity. Um, so I think, I think it's a great example. Uh, uh, what happened is a great example of that because it is actually another, um, another window to show that the Bitcoin network is anti-fragile. Uh, you know, it was, everybody was uh, not really sure what will happen uh, if if there was uh, a shock to the mining uh, space in China, and now we all know that actually it was okay, um, right? And then next time you probably need to worry about what what will happen if U.S. government uh, ban Bitcoin mining, um, which I I think is very low well likelihood. But but I think after that uh, that ban, uh, people feel more comfortable, uh, even more confident in the uh, anti fragility of the network itself yeah um, if i feel complicated about it <laughs>
0: yeah um uh, and I guess also maybe uh the chinese cbdc um is a reason for it i don't know um,
1: mm-hmm. don't you think i, I don't know yeah I, I i i there are many different theories about it it's hard to it's hard to estimate uh, guesstimate what really is going on um, mm-hmm. And what's your take on CBDCs in general? Uh, I can tell you my overall take on CBDC, regardless of China or any other government. Um, I'm always I'm always suspicious of CBDC as a whole, because um, to me, what makes Bitcoin unique is not the fact that it's digital money. Uh, we have digital money, right? The credit cards, uh, debit cards, PayPal, uh, uh, Venmo, all those kind of stuff that we have. Uh, WeChat, uh, Alipay, uh, WeChat Pay, all those are digital money. Uh, and if you are uh, living in a- uh, a, uh, Asia, in China, uh, most of 90% of your transaction are in digital money. Nothing, the cash is not much required. Um, I think the uniqueness of Bitcoin is, again, about it's um, natively digital, but, but also more importantly, it's resistant to censorship. It's decentralized. Decentralized is a kind of a trend word for uh, for our industry. But, but I think what it really means is that nobody can own it or control it. Right. Uh, and it's programmable. So from that perspective, does CBDC gives us what we need? No, it does. Not, it does nothing about it. Uh, how is it going to be different from the digital money we already have? It probably means that the central banks will take away some of the um, uh, financial power from commercial banks, right? Because um, people will have direct access to central banks' balance sheet. Um, That can have implication on the financial system itself, but it doesn't change the nature of it. Number one, uh, it may reduce the leverage allowed in the the, uh, system, but it doesn't change the nature of it. So I'm very suspicious of it. Uh, I don't like the CBDC idea, uh, either China or any other government. Uh, It's basically adding, enhancing the censorship. But I think if any... And I don't, I don't think uh, I'm, I'm, I am doubtful that a CBDC can be successfully pulled off. Uh, um, I have a big question mark around that. But if any government can do it, uh, it's not a, necessarily a bad idea. Longer term, I think for uh, overall crypto, I think they give people education, right, of what it is Uh, from a tool perspective people have to get used to using something that is more compatible to crypto and also i think if any um, cbdc is enforced on a population people will probably treasure their privacy a lot more and that will drive their demand for real crypto for bitcoin so i think longer term if it does happen it should be Uh, it should be bullish um, for crypto
0: itself Mm. it has a learning effect then for people yeah so, so,
1: yeah, yeah you,
0: you, you just mentioned Bitcoin and crypto. I'm, I'm interested in your stance there. I mean, OKCoin is trading yeah. a lot of... Yeah, you know where this leads. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> That's I know the, that. the, the Bitcoin only and why not altcoins question. I mean, OKCoin is trading altcoins too, of course. Um, but what's your,
1: what's your take on that, your personal take? I think it's both... I'm not a Bitcoin only person. Uh, Although I am uh, more dominantly Bitcoin, (laughs) Uh, but but I I don't think so. Here's what I think: the reason I like Bitcoin is that I think it it gives us an exit. It gives us an opportunity to rebuild the system on a new foundation that is really free, right? And that foundation is monetary. So there are two important things here. One is it is a new foundation. Is a new monetary foundation that is free. Two, we need to build on top of it. Those two, both of those two are important. So I understand that a lot of uh, people are hardcore Bitcoin only people, and I highly admire that. And I think the um, education piece of Bitcoin to a larger population actually uh, 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 ride a lot on the passion of that group of people. And that is important. Uh, but I myself is not a Bitcoin-only person. And I actually, um, uh, I don't think that I'm signing up for a Bitcoin-only future. The reason being that if you have only Bitcoin, there, which I think is what's happening, What well, not um, what's happening now, but, but when we see the, uh, adoption, mainstream adoption of Bitcoin since uh, last year, right? More and more individuals are getting into it. More and more institutions are uh, saying yes to it. More and more governments are saying yes to it. And then you have ETF now. Um, the, the, uh, the position of Bitcoin as a store of value, as a asset class is getting solidified, uh, which is good, which is a great starting point. But I don't think that is enough. And I think the real risk right now is that that becomes the only thing for Bitcoin. It's only an asset class. Particularly with institutional money coming in, with government money coming in, if we're not building on Bitcoin or building on something else that is also going in the right direction of decentralization, and I, and I can actually speak to Bitcoin as the fundamental settlement layer. Then Bitcoin can just become an a, a asset class. It can right because because in that sense, it can um, it can become a just a decoration of the existing financial system. You're not going to be able to replace the current system. You are replacing the monetary layer, but what if most institutions and governments end up buying most of the supply, right? Isn't, isn't that equal almost to gold previously uh, being hoarded by government? Um, how are you going to build a new world on top of it? It's not going to change much for ordinary people. Um, so it gotta be, there got to be continued building on top of Bitcoin and alongside Bitcoin that speak to Bitcoin that can really bring the right future to us. Um, This is just the first step. So I don't believe in this being a last step. I think it has to be a first step. Um, And that's why we believe a lot in Bitcoin first because this is the most important foundation. And that's why we as a platform uh, has been very vocal about supporting it, either the developer uh, or Bitcoin uh, a smart contract layer like Stacks or other related uh, development, but we also are very vocal about supporting Lightning, which is basically developing utility on top of Bitcoin, and supporting other protocols. Again, the mo- many of them are not probably not perfect, but you got to be open-minded about it, right? We got into Bitcoin because we are open-minded. We see a new paradigm. And we have to believe in the power of technology and innovation. Even if what we are seeing today is not perfect, we have to believe in it so that the community can continue to iterate on it and build something better, uh, exponentially better, right? Um, All the DeFi stuff that we're seeing last year, GameFi um, that we're seeing this year, NFT, none of these are new concepts. Those, Those were around in 2017. I was just more real this time. Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. But at least it get us closer to uh, what is possible. I. It has to be a. Um, it has to be a circular, self-sustainable system, where you have Bitcoin, you have different layers on top of it, and then you have probably parallel pieces that speak to it. That has a circular system instead of here is this the existing legacy system and the Bitcoin as an asset class dangling on it. <laughs> like, what does it do? Yeah, I, I completely understand what you
0: mean. <clears throat> Speaking of Lightning, OKCoin was one of the first exchanges to integrate Lightning. Um, what are your experiences here? I mean, how are
1: people using it, accepting it? Yeah, there uh, have been a decent amount of uh, customers using it. Uh, it's interesting to see that... Um, the customers um, using Lightning to deposit um, into our platform versus those who use it to withdraw are quite balanced. Uh, uh, probably larger average ticket for for deposit than uh, uh, withdraw, but um, it's quite it's quite balanced. And I don't know if you tried it. Uh, it's 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 amazing. It's very smooth. Experience very fast, um, very low fee. Uh, great for cross-border micro payments, um, and that that is permissionless. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to go through a long uh, uh, process and wait for three days or four days to get your money uh, to another party. Right? Uh, it's 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 great. It's just you know instant.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. And do you also see that with lightning, um, Bitcoin is becoming more and more, uh, a, also a medium of exchange? That's what you were referring to before. Like if we, if we take the example of El Salvador, where we both, I guess, are, are going in the next weeks, uh, to get your, our own impression of what is happening. Um, what's your, your take at the moment on this experiment?
1: It's definitely early. Um, on our platform, I don't think the majority of the customers are not using it. It's still, it's still, a, a, I would call it ten to twenty percent, maybe a small amount, uh, who are just experimenting. And you know, some of them actually come to us because of Lightning, right? They actually want it, and some probably just end up using it. Um, it's definitely an early stage, and I think the there's still a long way to go, right, for for it to really be helpful. Uh, you need to have more a wider network of merchants accepting it, and I think Twitter uh, making that tipping function uh, available is, a, you know, a, a huge thing. Uh, it's, it's great. It's it's um, I love w- everything that Jack Dorsey is doing there. Um, it's it's doing great. Uh, so so we are we are committed. We we uh, we don't expect this to. Um, suddenly become the payment uh, network <laughs> overnight. It's probably not going to get there uh, in 12 months, right? Uh, You're know, comparing where Lightning is versus where Visa, MasterCard, Alipay is. It's uh, it, There's still a long way to go. Setting up the channels, um, uh, 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 increasing channel capacity, rebalancing. Uh, it takes a lot of time. And you know, we have been also very... Uh, uh diligent about trying different things, adding adding on different things, opening new nodes, uh new channels and, and adding channel capacity and then trying to figure out where are the risks and things like that, right? So so I think it will take some time. Um but the, the direction is pretty clear. The growth is pretty clear. And you never know. You <laughs> know, it's uh things like El Salvador, right? It just happened overnight. Uh you know I was uh earlier this year uh, before um, 2021 kicked in, I was trying to figure out, OK, what may happen in 2021? You know, I was asking myself and then one of the things that I thought may be helpful is some uh, central banks started by buy Bitcoin as a reserve. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, putting, even putting aside El Salvador, I'm pretty sure actually some, some central banks have already been doing that without making that announcement. But having a sovereign country actually adopting it as legal measure, that's definitely not in my cards. Uh so you never know. Um uh, but yeah, I, I think it's 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 bullish. Uh it takes time, but it's bullish. Hmm,
0: I think so too. Um speaking of uh markets and emerging markets, um what are OKCoin's biggest markets in emerging countries?
1: We uh we see a lot of uh, demand from LATAM, from Africa, uh, Asia as well. I, I would say that uh, obviously, you know, North America and Europe uh, are actually uh, our primary markets, North America in particular. Um, the customer behavior and uh, user case are, uh, tend to be different uh, in different jurisdictions. And I think part of it is because of the um, economic environment and central policies and central bank policy of different uh, regions. Yeah, we tend to see more toddlers and investors in North America, uh, more traders uh, from Asia, and then uh, more users from uh, Latin and uh, Africa. And what what do you mean? What do you mean with users? What's the use case there? Meaning people are actually buying almost like the hodler. Um, uh, but, but we also have, uh, from Latam, uh, uh, institutional customers, uh, uh, companies who do cross-border transactions, uh, international transactions, uh, like commodities, uh, uh, they sell commodities to other regions and they settle in Bitcoin. Um, and then they come to us to, to uh, using us as using OKCoin as the on-ramp and off-ramp. But they basically use Bitcoin as the settlement. So almost like, you know, utility. There is uh, utility because their local currency is pretty volatile, right? Using US dollar to settle sometimes is, uh, you know, you need bank uh, relationship and you know things like that to uh, facilitate. Uh, and Bitcoin is permissionless. So... There, there are some uh, cases cases like that for the international business. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you seen
0: some kind of trend in the last two years? Let's say in those emerging countries, is it going up or stagnant or like the 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 usage
1: of your platform and the trading volume? It's all been going up across the board. Yeah, uh, activities that's been going up across the board again. Uh, we are seeing compared to, say, 2019, 18 and before, we're seeing more hodlers, uh, more uh, uh, yield seekers. People come to, to put their money crypto to work. Uh, we, we have a earn program, um, which is DeFi Earn, and, uh, which is a very popular program. A lot of people come and do that. That that's sorry. That's interesting because why
0: would I put uh, my Bitcoin in an earn program when I then lose the uptake that Bitcoin can have? But am I not losing it?
1: No, no. Uh, you don't put. Uh, we don't have an earn program that has a Bitcoin earn. So our program is we don't come up with those stuff. We just uh, connect to uh uh defi protocols uh um out there and um token projects out there uh we don't take we don't charge fees we don't we don't artic- arbitrarily tell you how much the yield is it's really up to every protocol uh every defi project uh which was again d- d- which is decided by the market uh, of that particular pro- project or protocol, what the yield is every day, and it actually fluctuates every day. Now, there, what has been most popular on our product, so we have uh, actually a couple of different things. There is uh, staking, there is, um, uh, staking, uh, there is uh, uh, stacking, and then there are also uh, yield through compound and urine uh, pool. Now, what has been most popular on our platform is actually uh, two. One is stack, STX, and that is a, um, a smart contract protocol built on top of Bitcoin. So the earned product uh, there is you basically buy STX on our platform. You put STX into the stacking pool and there are cycles for that and you end up earning Bitcoin. So it's not like you, you buy Bitcoin and put there... It's actually you buy something else um, as you buy stacks and and you stack stacks. When you stack stacks, you basically make stack protocol uh, network more secure. In return, you get Bitcoin every day. Um, so that one is very popular. Um, the most recent one that we had is uh, Miami coin, which is a smart contract product uh, built on top of stacks. And because it is a very early stage product. Uh, the yield on that is pretty high. Uh, and that's where you stack Miami coin and you yield, earn uh, stacks, you earn STX. So what a lot of people actually do is they buy MA, uh, Miami coin, MIA, uh, that will give them pretty good uh, return on STX. Then they take STX to put in the stack stacking to earn Bitcoin. <laughs> so, so they actually earn Bitcoin that way. But but where do those Bitcoin then come from? Where is the profit made? The, the Bitcoin earned from stacks is actually real Bitcoin. So when uh, so in STX uh, ecosystem and on that protocol, there are miners for, for those miners, stack miners have to actually put Bitcoin down to bid for STX mining. So they have a, a very special mechanism called uh, proof of transfer. So that Bitcoin uh, that stack miners put down is not destroyed. It's just transferred to SDX stackers. So the stackers actually uh, yield uh, uh, the miner who put down the biggest amount of Bitcoin for certain one block end up mining that block. And then the stackers take all the Bitcoin stacked there and then distribute. So basically that the Bitcoin stacked is distributed to STX stackers. So that's how it works. Okay. Okay. It's an interesting, interesting concept. (laughs) Very simplified way. That's how it works. But yeah, it's like programmable smart contract layer on top of Bitcoin. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're saying adoption globally or in your markets where OKCoin is operating has been going up in the last two years. Um, what's your
1: take on 2022? Oh, 2022. I, I wish I have a crystal ball. <laughs> I, yeah. just, um, I, I think Bitcoin is, continu- is going to continue to drive geopolitical dynamics that has already started with El Salvador. So I think there will be some interesting uh, news happening with larger uh, economies uh, that can continue to shift the balance there. It will be interesting to also see some larger companies like US officially saying, okay, you know what, we can actually buy Bitcoin as reserve, that will totally change the game. Uh, and that may trigger China back into the game. <laughs> <if you laughs> Um, it's good and bad, right? Uh, I hope that when that happens, lightning is strong enough to, uh, really make it a monetary network, uh, more than just asset class. Um, and I hope that before that happens, more average people, uh, are able to actually learn about it and buy more. Uh, so that it's not going to be concentrated in large organizations and governments. And so I'm pretty, you know, torn on, on when that happens, you know, when it happens, it's good, but it's also risky. I think there will be all also uh, new stuff happening outside Bitcoin uh, that is going to be interesting. And I, again, I'm, I, I don't think I'm the best person in my organization to catch up with all those trends. There are Smarter people than me who actually know more about what's happening and more open minded than me about it. But I, I believe that there are interesting things happening there that um, we need to stay open minded about. And ultimately, I think there will be uh, interruptibility. Um, that Bitcoin first is a big belief uh, for us. Interruptibility is another big belief for us. I think ultimately we'll be able to see, hopefully. Uh, a whole system being rebuilt, uh, uh, that can change our fabric, social fabric, uh, that can be
0: interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much for that. Um, Hong, there's a saying, you don't change Bitcoin, Bitcoin changes you. (laughs) Um, is there anything, um, that has changed in your in your life or your attitude towards things that came through your knowledge of bitcoin
1: uh absolutely i mean before bitcoin i it never occurred to me that money can be something else other than what central bank prints uh that is a very novel idea to me and it's a it's not an easy threshold to go over uh, for pretty much all of us. Um, but, but I think once you see that is not a given, uh, it opens a whole door. And I think because of that, uh, you know, I'm pretty adamant about what we are doing here, right? With all, uh, we are in a space that is very difficult. It's, it's exciting. It's very exciting, but it's also very difficult, right? Because of all the regulatory landscape and uh, all kinds of controversies and changes, uh, it can be very tough. And uh, competition is also up as well. But I think what keeps me excited about, what keeps our team very pumped up is really about what Bitcoin ethos stand for, right? It stands for... Giving every individual the voice and sovereignty. Um, it stands for taking further, further down the path of taking away, distributing the power uh, without without creating chaos. <laughs> I think that is a hard balance, right? And in Bitcoin, uh, somehow, I mean, like who knows who who, who Satoshi is. Um, but somehow there is this system that is fully distributed, but somehow it is very orderly, um, and and I think if we can see that being created on a larger scale, it can be quite interesting. Uh, it's not just full uh, anarchy with no government, right? With no central uh, um, body uh, planning everything, coordinating everything. It's actually beautifully. Somehow beautifully organized. Um, so I think that is uh, that is the origin of why I'm here and why we are here, and I think will continue to drive us forward. Uh, I I assume that you may ask, you may want me to say, okay, this Bitcoin thing changed my sense of time preference. Uh, it you know, I I think yes and no because uh, I I think I'm always a long term long term investor mindset. Um, I've never been a trader. Um, When I'm at Goldman, uh, because of the nature of the work, we look at capital markets. But but I always start with asking what is the fundamental value of certain things. Um, And I, I just don't have the skills to do day trade like zero. So so I'm I'm willing to wait for something good down the road and Bitcoin is the perfect fit for that. I don't have to trade it. I just buy, hold and beautiful things happen. (laughs) That's great.
0: (laughs) Exactly. That's actually the only thing that you have to do. Buy and hold and hold your own keys.
1: (laughs) Hold my own keys. Yeah, I do that too. Buy a little bit of things every day and then once it gets to a certain point, move it off. Get to your own
0: wallet. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was a very uh, nice and great uh, closing statement. Thank you very much, Hong. Uh, thank you for your time. Um, and last but not least, where can people find you and maybe get in contact you
1: or get to know more about you and your work? Sure. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is HFangCA. Uh, my DM is always open. Uh, our company, OKCoin, OK Uh, Twitter handle is at OKCoin. The DM is also open, so you know where to find me or find us. Uh, Feel free to reach out.
0: Thank you. Great. I will put that in the show notes. So thanks for your time. All the best. And looking forward to see you uh, in uh, El Salvador soon.
1: Same here. Same here. Thank you, Anita.
0: That's it for today. Thanks for listening and joining this interview. I think it was very interesting to hear Hong's insights on China and also her experiences with Wall Street. Please subscribe to my show in your podcast player and recommend it to your friends. The more, the better. See you next week when it's time for the Anita Posh Show.